0: The sermon text is the Holy Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 9, verses 1 to 8. Jesus got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. There people brought to him a man who was paralyzed, lying on a stretcher. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the experts in the law said among themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Since Jesus knew their thoughts, he said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your stretcher, and go home. The man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. The gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Isn't it nice when you get bigger and better than you were expecting? You ever have it happen that your normal, predictable 2% raise got bumped to 5%? Isn't that nice? Ah, maybe they do want me around, right? You ever buy a little knickknack at a yard sale and it turns out to be a rare, valuable antique? It's never happened to me either, but I imagine it would be nice. You ever expecting a little bundle of joy in your family, your extended family, and it turned out to be two little bundles of joy? It's nice when you get bigger and better than you were even expecting to get. Well, there is a group of people who believe in Jesus, and they bring a paralyzed man to Jesus because they believe that Jesus can and will heal this man, and I'm sure that everybody in this group, including The paralyzed man himself, they all would have been more than satisfied. They all would have been perfectly delighted just to hear Jesus say, Get up, take your stretcher, and go home. But instead, Jesus is going to give them much bigger, much better than that. And here's why. Jesus saw their faith. Now, St. Matthew does kind of leave you wondering, How exactly did Jesus see the faith in this group? Did he look into their hearts? and see faith on the inside, the way that only the Son of God could do? Or did he see their faith demonstrated in their actions? And they go to all this work to lug a person to Jesus. Human beings are very heavy, and the other Gospels tell us they they had to climb up on a roof and lower him down to gain access to Jesus. That's a lot of work, and it demonstrates a lot of faith that Jesus is going to help this man. So did he see their faith on the inside or on the outside? Either. Both, but it's the faith that receives the biggest and best thing from Jesus. Take heart, son. Oh, Jesus says a lot of beautiful things, and it's kind of a fool's errand to try to rank the beautiful things that Jesus says, but this is right up there at the top. And in the original language, it's just two little words. The first word, take heart, have courage, be cheerful. It's so all wrapped up in one little word, and then Jesus calls the man his son. Now, why should this man take heart and have courage and cheer up? Why is he Jesus' own child? As he has this faith to receive the biggest and best gift of all, your sins are forgiven. This is another beautiful sentence that is worth a careful breakdown, a word by word examination. That word, your, it tells you when Jesus sees this man on the stretcher, he is seeing his own dear child, and at the very same time, he is also seeing a sinner. This man has sins. They belong to him. He is personally responsible. He owns all of them. And the word that Jesus uses for sin covers them all. You know, when, when God looks at sin, he doesn't really see it on a spectrum. He just sees sin But human beings, we do tend to see it that way. But this would cover everything from seemingly minor little accidental slip-ups all the way to egregious premeditated acts. And they are all forgiven. And the picture of forgiveness carries the picture of a canceled debt. You have an invoice with a balance on the bottom that's been crossed out. Or a ledger that's just been torn up and thrown away. This man has sins, he owns them, but they're canceled. The payment is canceled. He's never going to have to pay for them. You also have faith in Jesus that receives this biggest and best possible gift from Jesus. Because you also have sins, and you own them. You are personally responsible for all of them, from foible all the way up to felony. They're yours, but the debt has been canceled. You are not going to have to pay for that. And your your debt has been canceled not because God is some bumbling bookkeeper who loses track of debts. And it's not canceled because God just tears up invoices for fun just for the sake of it. Your debt is canceled because Jesus has already paid for it. The holy blood Jesus shed on the cross blotches out the balance on the bottom of God's books underneath your name. And your ledger is now as clean and crisp as the perfect life that Jesus lived for you in your place. So, take heart, child. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith in Jesus receives this biggest and best possible gift. The forgiveness of sins is better than any sinful human being could ever expect or hope for from a holy and righteous God, but it's yours through faith in Jesus. Now, considering the forgiveness of sins is ours, we sure do struggle sometimes to listen when Jesus tells us to take heart. Do you think if we followed around 10 Christians and 10 non-Christians with cameras for a week, documentary style, and then we broke down the footage, do you think we'd see any real difference in the level of heart that they show in their lives? Any real difference in the amount of courage they show as they make their way through a dark and difficult world? Any real difference in the amount of good cheer, joyfulness in their lives? What if we followed you around for a day or two? Probably all of us would say, depends on the day, right? Why is that? Why does it depend on the day? Because we're not always listening We're not always hearing Jesus very carefully when he says, take heart, child. Your sins are forgiven. Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Your debt has been paid. You are on the way to heaven to spend eternity with your dear Savior who loves you so much that he died for your sins. So take heart in this world. Have some courage as you face your challenges and even your crosses. Cheer up. Smile once in a while. Take heart, child. Your sins are forgiven. So this man has the forgiveness of sins. That does still leave the little matter of the thing that he came to Jesus for in the first place, right? He came expecting this physical healing, and he is going to get that too, but first. Then some of the experts in the law said among themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Now, why would they say that? Well, in the law... And here that word means the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there's a lot of sins that need forgiving. The Old Testament is a very messy book. But whenever somebody in the Old Testament needs forgiveness for a sin, they always go directly to the Lord himself for that forgiveness. Like if you read Psalm 51, you find David crying out directly to the Lord to mend his broken spirit. When David finally confessed his sins of adultery and murder to the prophet Nathan, Nathan very distinctly said, The Lord has taken away your sin. And it wasn't just kings who did it this way. Anybody in Israel who had a sin, they wanted forgiven. They went to the priest, often with a sacrifice, and then the priest went to the Lord to get forgiveness. See, forgiveness always comes directly from the Lord himself. Well now, you've got these experts in the law. They know that from the Old Testament very well. And what do they see? a flesh and blood human being directly forgiving the sins of another human being. Do you see why, from their unbelieving perspective, this must be blasphemy? Blasphemy is claiming to be God when you are not. And if only God can forgive sins and this human being is doing it, then he has to be blaspheming. Except, of course, Jesus is not just a human being. He is a human being. He calls himself the Son of Man right here in these verses, But Jesus is also God, and not only is Jesus God, he happens to be the person of the Trinity who came down from heaven to earn the very forgiveness that he is now giving this man. Jesus is God who is living the perfect life that this man needs to forgive his sins. Jesus is God who will go to the cross and shed the blood to cancel the debt that this man owes. Now just as Jesus could see faith on the inside in the heart, And on the outside in actions, he can do the same thing with unbelief. He can hear it in the words these men are saying. must have been audible for St. Matthew to hear it and write it down later on. But Jesus, as the Son of God, could also look straight into their hearts and see the unbelief. Since Jesus knew their thoughts, he said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? And it is indeed evil to disbelieve that Jesus is God who forgives sins. And now Jesus is going to prove that he is God. And because he's God, he has the authority to forgive this man's sins. Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your stretcher and go home. The man got up and went home. So... The paralyzed no longer man ends up getting everything from Jesus. Through faith, he gets bigger and better than he was expecting, the forgiveness of his sins, and he also gets healing for his physical body. So now can I ask you a personal question? How does your body feel today? Do you have any aches and pains? It's possible that some of you wish you were only dealing with aches and pains in your body. How about your head? What condition is your brain in today? Are you clear-minded and alert and bright, or are you foggy and tired? And again, some of you may have things going on in your head worse than fogginess and fatigue. But Jesus is going to heal all that for you, too. You know, your, your brain and your body were never perfect, imperfect from the moment you came to life, but they will be perfect. On the last day, Jesus is also going to say to you, get up and go home. And you're going to get up and go home to the kingdom of heaven perfectly healed, physically and spiritually, sins forgiven, body glorified. What more could Jesus give us than this perfect healing for our bodies and souls? Well, actually, there is more that you can find in this story. The story teaches us that Jesus has the authority, the ability to forgive sins But this story also teaches us that we, as his people, have that same authority, that same ability to forgive sins to repentant sinners. And I don't just mean on a personal level. Like everybody knows, if you punch me in the face, I can forgive you person to person, right? Everybody understands that. But this is more than this. We actually have the right from God to forgive sins to each other on his behalf. And if you listen carefully to the very end of this gospel, you can see Matthew hinting at this truth that gets fleshed out a lot more fully in the rest of the New Testament. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and glorified God who had given such authority to men. So why would Matthew say that men, plural, have the authority to forgive sin? Because Matthew was one of the men there on Easter night when Jesus appeared to his disciples and he very clearly gave them the right to do this. To forgive sins to repentant sinners. And Jesus doesn't just give that to his original disciples. He gives it to all believers. In his first letter, St. Peter calls all Christians, normal everyday Christians, a royal priesthood. Remember it was the priests who took, for, took sins to God for forgiveness. And then throughout the epistles, you hear Christians of all kinds encouraged to forgive each other's sins in the name of the Lord. Now this can be done by a guy wearing a white robe, standing in front of a church on Sunday morning, and if you listen carefully to your absolution this morning, I say both things. God is forgiving your sins, and I also say, I am forgiving your sins. And as the Lutheran catechisms correctly teach, when you hear my voice say, your sins are forgiven, it is as sure and certain as if you are hearing the voice of God himself. So it can be done by a man in a white robe in the front of a church, but you can do it too. You also have the keys to the kingdom of heaven and you can unlock it to any repentant sinner. So you can say to your spouse take heart. You can say to your child take heart child. And you can give them the reason for it. The forgiveness of their sins. A pastor friend told me once his son came home from kindergarten with a story that day the the teacher had done this thing where she went around the room and had each kid share a special talent or ability that they have. It's a very risky thing to do, by the way. Do that at your own <laughs> risk. We said, oh, this one kid, he said he could turn his eyelids inside out, and then he did it. And the one little girl said she could already swim the whole length of an Olympi- Olympic swimming pool. His dad said, well, what was your special talent? And he said, I said, uh, my talent is I can forgive sins. It's not maybe technically a talent, but it is, a, it is an ability, and it is a privilege, <laughs> And I don't believe many Christians understand this privilege that God gives them. And I believe even fewer Christians take advantage of it and actually do it. Maybe we don't feel worthy to forgive another person's sins. And there is some truth in that. We are sinful people on our own. We're not worthy to do this. But look, if God qualifies you to do something, if he says you can do this, then you are worthy. Might be that we think, oh, yeah, I got a Christian family member or a Christian friend, they're feeling guilty about something they did yesterday or who knows, 50 years ago, but they don't need to hear the words out loud, right? Or maybe somewhere inside, we just think it sounds kind of cheesy to say out loud to another person, I forgive your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's wrong, and it's a real waste of a precious resource. Just think of all the love that Jesus packed into those two little sentences that he said to the man on the stretcher. There was a reason that we unpacked those sentences carefully and looked at every word. It's because all of that power and all of that love is in your hands too. To say to a repentant Christian, take heart, child, your sins are forgiven. How much stronger Christians would we be if we heard those words and spoke them more often? How much more heart would be on display in our lives? How much more courage and how much good cheer if we heard those words more often? And how much more confident would we be that in the end, Jesus is going to say to us, get up and go home, perfectly healed, body and soul? There's one way to find out, and that's to start doing it. Now, I'm not going to put pressure on you right this minute to turn to someone near you and practice forgiving their sins. But when you hear those words from me, Please take them to heart, and please speak them yourself. God gives you that privilege. Use it freely. Speak like your Savior and say, take heart, child. Your sins are forgiven. Amen.